Welcome back to the Pathway Podcast. In this week's episode, lead pastor Jeremy Flanagan starts a new series on the most wonderful time of the year. Well, it is good to uh, be with everybody today, and I know we've got a lot of people uh, still on the road and other people who came back from Thanksgiving, not with a full stomach, but with uh, a sickness they picked up from a relative. Uh, so that's always the fun part about the holiday season, right? But uh, I know for a lot of you that you have been waiting for this time of year, you've been waiting uh, you know, for things to get here, not just for the deep discounts if you went to a store or shopped online, um, but really to get us complainers out of the way because you wanted to start celebrating Christmas like three weeks ago and some of us say, no, we can't do that until Thanksgiving's over because we're rational and you aren't. But uh, my wife's in the back, so I, I can say whatever I want. Uh, you know, we actually have these, you know, deal that goes on and about three years ago, finally broke it. And she gets to, she's like, I'm home all week of Thanksgiving and I have all week to set up for Christmas and you want me to wait until Friday. And so I, we set up for Christmas earlier in the week now. And uh, now I kept it, I kept the deal that we don't listen to Christmas music, which she listens to all the time, until the drive home from Thanksgiving, but I, I broke it this year. So uh, anyway, so we listened to it on the way down. I, in my, as I grow older, I'm getting soft, I'm giving in, but uh, it's all right. Because now she nor any of the rest of you have us in the way. You can just celebrate with all of your decorations and all of your songs. She already watched the Grinch movie once already uh, last night. It started, she'll watch it, I'm not kidding you, a dozen times, a dozen times. And so, but you know, we celebrate kind of the reason for Christmas here every week, but that's not to say that this isn't a special time of year where people's minds are drawn to other things in life. And for some reason, they don't think about it the rest of the year, but during the Christmas holiday, it, you know, it kind of gets kicked off by Thanksgiving and then now going into the Christmas holiday, where people's minds are drawn to different parts of their life that they want to work on or they want to try and make better, that they want to try, uh, you know, and, and maybe even fix. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. For the next five weeks, our staff is going to bring, bring sermons. Uh, so for the next four Sundays, and then uh, if you haven't seen any email yet, and we'll send reminders out on December 25th, that is a Sunday morning, but we have opted to do a Christmas Eve service instead. So on Saturday night, uh, I believe at five o'clock, we're gonna have a Christmas Eve service, uh, and then we won't have a service the following Sunday morning. So do uh, put that on your calendars. But uh, for the next five weeks, we're gonna be talking about some of these ideals, right? Some of these things that we desire, some of these things that even in just popular culture, even for people who don't believe in God and hate the idea of God, but yet around Christmas time, they they're still drawn to some of these things because God puts an innate desire in our heart for certain things in life, whether we believe in him or whether we don't. And it's reflected in our society, it's reflected in our culture, and it's reflected, we, we started talking a few months back about in our Christmas movies. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to kind of pull a, a clip of a video out from some of our favorite Christmas movies that talk about kind of these different things that we somehow feel that at Christmas time, that you know the other, other 11 months of the year, there's no way we could fix that problem in our family. But during Christmas, it somehow magically, right, 
things are gonna fall into place. And so, uh, you know, so we see that in culture. We're gonna talk about that uh, here on Sundays. And so we're gonna look at the idea of trying to have a happy family, about being overwhelmed or overtaken even by consumerism and letting that be our focus in life. We're gonna look at what it means to truly love our neighbor, right, and to love our community. And then we're gonna wrap up looking at having a, a real lasting hope. But today as we get started, we're gonna talk about the idea of reconciliation. And so reconciliation and, and you know, at Christmas, at finding that person that maybe a relationship has been broken, maybe a bond has, has been severed or you just aren't close like you used to be, you know, things like that do happen. Um, you know, right now at this time of year, our, our minds seem to be drawn. Now's when I'm going to talk to him, right? Now is when I can try and make something happen. And if you don't, if you think about it, you've probably got relationships like that, that things were good and then something happened to just kind of make it uncomfortable. And you may have tried to fix it and feel like it's, it's failed. You may have never tried to fix it. Um, but you can look back and sometimes there's real hurt, Right? Sometimes there's been real damage done. Sometimes there are things you can really put your hand on that cause this rift. But sometimes you go back far enough and you can say, we started just getting mad at each other for the smallest of things, right? For the most trivial of things. Even in some of the happiest moments that we can have, um, a, just one little thing can happen and cause a, a point where we're gonna have to have reconciliation in the future. You know, even in the middle of our baby dedications last Sunday, we saw something happen like that right before our eyes. And if you missed it, here, here's what I'm talking about. Hi, my name is Mitchell Neldon. This is Carrie Neldon, my wife. And this is Ruby and Miles. And this is our newborn. He's just two, almost two weeks old, Jasper. Jasper. Chippy. It's Chippy. Chippy, yeah, yeah, Chippy. <laughs> Chippy, Chippy's his nickname, but his real name's Jasper, right? Uh, his name is Chippy, not Jasper. Okay. His name is Chippy, not Jasper. Okay. His name is Chippy, not Man, and what was that at the end? It's like the frustration on his face made a noise, like a, just a deep growl, you know? I mean, right there, happy moment, loving family, just sitting up there. And Mitchell, if you wonder why I reached out to some Thrive students to get someone out of the back, I wanted you to see that first time. But, uh, you know, just, uh, I mean, I can just see it. I got a 17-year-old son, right? Some point... Mitchell's going to be talking to Miles. He's going to be a teenager, and Miles is going to say, you never listen to me or care what I think. And Mitchell will say, yes, son, I do. And he'll just look at him and say, it's Chippy, not Jasper. <laughs> I mean, it's just coming. It's going to happen. I've seen it a thousand times, just the way that that happens. But if you look back on it, I, I bet you there are some relationships that you've had, and you've had fights with friends or family you know, even someone in a dating relationship or a marriage and you look back on it and it's like, wow, our fight actually started for something less, you know, than that, right? I know, I know people that have hated each other for years over the smallest of things, the smallest of things. And so as we go into this Christmas season, it is a very common 
ideal that people say that, you know, now is the time for us to make amends. Now is the time for us to kind of fix maybe what we've broken. And so the actual movie clip that we're going to use today is, is from one of my favorite movies, Home Alone, which is kind of weird because, you know, growing up as a kid, it's like you grow up and if you're a little boy, you're like, I really hope one day burglars try to break in, but I need enough advance notice to make all of the, you know, the traps happen. But anyway, here's a scene. And if you don't know the movie very well, uh, this little boy named Kevin gets left home alone, hence the name. And uh, anyway, and so all these different things happen and burglars are trying to break into his house. And, and through it all, he thinks he wished his family away because he was mad at them, because he kept fighting with them. And, you know, from brothers to moms to dads to all those things. And he starts to feel bad about it. He starts to finally miss his family. And so he ends up going to a church on Christmas Eve and, and listening to them, you know, practice for this, uh, for this song. And uh, when he's there, this old man comes up to him who he thinks is the weird guy in the neighborhood who kills little kids and puts them in his, his trash can when he's really putting salt out for the snow. But anyway, uh, here's, the, here's the discussion that they end up having uh, that kind of deals with this idea of reconciliation. I've been kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. Yeah. I'm kind of upset about it because I really like my family. Even though sometimes I say I don't. Sometimes I even think I don't. Do you get that? I think so. How you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Especially with an older brother. Deep down, you always love them. But you can forget that you love them. And you can hurt them and they can hurt you. And that's not just because you're young. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure. I came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come and hear her tonight. You have plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church? Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back, before you and your family moved on the block, I had an argument with my son. How old is he? Well, he's grown up. We lost our tempers. And I said I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. And we haven't spoken to each other since. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there, and it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years. The basements are like that. Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is, you should call your son. What if he won't talk to me? At least you'll know. Then you can stop worrying about it. And he won't have to be afraid anymore. I don't care how mad I was, I talked to my dad. Especially around the holidays. I don't know. Yeah, 
And of course, if you've seen the movie, at the end, well, I won't ruin it for you. Either the old man calls his son and there's a scene where he hugs his son and sees his family, or there's a scene where they start fighting and they fist fight in the snow. And it, that, no, it's a, you know, movie magic, right? Everything always works out. Every relationship is always mended. All you gotta do is make that call. All you've gotta do is try. And at Christmas time, it'll work. Now, the reality is, number one, that Kevin McAllister always has wise sayings that he tells adults in these movies, even though he's like the worst kid around. Um, and so Hollywood isn't true. If you didn't know that, just letting you know, sometimes it's made up. Number two, though, is that the number one step to reconciliation is putting away your pride long enough to step forward and deal with it. But the idea that we can always just go out and fix every you know, relationship, um, if you've tried, you know that's harder than just saying it. It's harder than just saying a few words. And honestly, to have the ability to go and truly be successful in rebuilding relationships we've broken, you've got to understand reconciliation. You've got to understand what's required of the person who wants to make the reconciliation. Even if you're the person who is the one who is offended. You know, in this case, it's that easy example, right? They both got mad, they both fought. Who said the first thing that was wrong? Well, if you ask the son or you ask the dad, if you ask two friends, you know, if you ask a married couple, they'll each have different answers, right? Because when we fight and when we break a relationship, it's because both of us feel that the other party should be the one to make amends. But for us as Christians, we have the purest example and idea of reconciliation. And in the end, all of Christmas is about that topic, all of it. And so I want us to look at what true, real reconciliation is, purest of all forms, and we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to see how that should motivate us and equip us to actually be able to go out and maybe have a chance at repairing some of those relationships. So I want to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. And we're going to look at a few passages today because I want to look at some different ways in the letters of Paul at how he was telling them practically to reconcile and what Jesus did, but then also some of the words of Christ that he spoke on this topic. But it starts off, and when Paul was writing this letter to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about salvation, he's talking about grace, and he said in verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now, every time you see that word reconciliation, just remember it's kind of an accounting term, right? Where you're, you're, you're making the books balanced. And sometimes if you, you, know, you, you realize that I'm missing some money, you know, that uh, if you've ever worked a cash register before and you know that at the end of the day, if you're missing money, um, that that's coming out of your pocket to put that in, right? You have to, you have to get everything you know, reconciled. You, payment has to be made. Everything has to be brought back to, to even. And so, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So reconciliation between us and God 
looks a little different than how we envision, you know, when we have an adversarial relationship with somebody else and we think that at some point in time, they're gonna finally come to their senses and they're gonna hit their knees and they're gonna grovel before us and they're gonna tell us how great we are and all the things that they did wrong. And please, 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 oh, forgive me. That way you'll be my friend again, right? That's how we view it, right? When we have that animosity towards someone else, we're waiting for them to make things right. And that's how regular relationships work. We both feel usually that we're in the right and we're waiting for the other party to come to their senses. And as long as both people stay that way, then that's where it remains. Now, there are times, like I said, that truly people have hurt you and people have wronged you and the Bible is very clear about how to deal with those situations and about how to go to that person and talk to them and about even to take people with you if necessary and things like that. And I will also be the one to tell you, if you're looking here and say, Jeremy, do I reconcile every single relationship? Well, in a way, yes. But I'll also tell you, and I hand out the book Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend like it's candy. And so if you ever have problems about what relationships are toxic that I keep putting myself into to get hurt over and over and over again, come talk to me. But I'll still tell you, even within those, you can find a way to have a spirit of Christ while still putting up boundaries. But in this, just in the normal relationships that we have, at some point, either one or both parties have to get the conversation started. And for God and us, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the fact that we are sinful creatures... When it comes to the fact that our sins separated our relationship from God, right? We are the ones who broke fellowship. We are the ones that are the reason that there is separation between us and God. He came to us. I mean, in verse 18, the scariest part about all of this is that once you become a believer in Christ, it says that God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. In verse 19, it says that he didn't count our sins against us. And in verse 20... He did the heavy lifting. He did the heavy lifting. He made his appeal through us. We speak to him telling people to come back to God. He did all the heavy lifting for us. And he's willing to do it before we even said we're sorry. Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person... One would dare even to die. And in verse 8 it says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the idea of reconciliation talked about in Scripture for the most part is this. That we are the ones that cause the damage. Yet God is the one who so wanted that relationship restored that he was willing to carry the burden and all we have to do is accept it. And that is the message of Christmas. That is the message of a faithful God who sent a savior to us while we are still sinners, before we asked for it, without us doing anything to earn this forgiveness, without us doing anything that would ever deserve it, knowing full well that even after God reconciles us to himself, right? Our sin debt is paid. We have a place in heaven. There's a place in scripture that talks about, you know, quit doing all these things, quit being a thief and quit lying and quit, you know, uh, um, belittling other people and everything else. And it says, God has guaranteed your salvation. 
And so don't, don't burden his heart, you know, living this way. I mean, it's the, the whole knowledge that we still continue to sin even after God has paid our debt. And he doesn't remove it. He doesn't take it away. God reconciles us to him. Jesus Christ died for our sins and says, if you will simply believe in me, simply trust in me, I will pay your sin debt forever. You don't have to earn it on the front end and I'm not gonna hold it against you when you sin again in the future. Now, will God still punish us for our sins? Yeah. Will he still convict us for our sins? Sure. Does God want us to ask for forgiveness and restore our relationship with him and our relationship with others on earth? Yeah. But when it comes to salvation, the books are clear. The debt has been paid before we asked and we never deserved it. And that is what biblical reconciliation between us and God is about. Now, obviously, one of us in that scenario is perfect. And no matter how you feel in whatever fight you're having with someone else, I'm sorry to tell you, you aren't perfect. You're not even perfect probably in that fight sometimes. There are the occasion, and I've got many instances of those with even people in this room who have been hurt by others of no fault of their own. But most of the time, when we have a, a relationship that isn't where it needs to be, we all have some ownership. And God here gives us this example. And when Jesus was even telling his disciples goodbye and he was telling him time has come, it was that final big long discussion he had with them. You know, and he told them the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. And before Jesus tells them about the Holy Spirit coming to be a comforter, coming to guide them, before he, he, he calls out Peter for saying he'll never deny him, before he answers the questions of Thomas, before he goes into all the things about the, the end, and before he, he tells them not to be afraid, he gives them one simple command. John 13, verse 34, it says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So, when you talk about the idea of reconciliation, especially when you talk about the fact that when Jesus reconciled us to himself, right? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are, have already said, yes, I'm going to trust in you, I'm not gonna trust in myself, I'm not gonna put it off any longer, I'm not gonna trust in anyone else. Jesus, I'm going to trust in you. Once you've accepted that offer and Jesus has paid for your debt, then what did that say? It said that now you are my ambassadors and now you have the job of the message of reconciliation, telling other people to come to God. And man, that is scary, but it gets even worse when you realize the way to do that is that our love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. If we are going to do the job that God has called us to, then we have to be ready to love other people as Jesus loved us. And we've already seen how high that bar is set. You know, Jesus, even when he was giving the model prayer, one of the things he said in Matthew chapter 6, 12, you know, he said, give us this day our daily bread and everything else. But then he said, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. So forgive our sins now and going you know, forward, right? As we have already forgiven the sins of those who have sinned against us. Jesus didn't do things by mistake. He didn't say things by mistake. 
He is trying to give us not just a model of a prayer so we know what to say, but he's trying to give us a model of how to think and to how to live, and in here, how to forgive, right? That if you want forgiveness from God, much less if you want forgiveness from anyone else, that you need to first do the work of forgiving others. You've gotta be loving them the way Jesus loved you and be ready to step up and to forgive even before they've asked, even before they have admitted all their fault, before they've groveled, right? But that's what we want. Man, we want that pound of flesh, right? We want that person who we feel has wronged us to feel how bad we have felt. We want them to express how horrible it has made them feel. We want them to to show all of those things and only that will deserve our forgiveness and then wipe us away of whatever resentment we have to have a relationship again. That's the human part of us. That's the part we fight against. But what Jesus said was, love them as I loved you and doing that will show the world you're my disciples. Forgive others before you seek forgiveness. You know, if you look at the different things that cause problems in relationships, you know, maybe someone's been insensitive to you or one of your closer family members or one of your friends, right? Maybe they think that you were insensitive to them. Maybe they said something that hurt your feelings and then maybe they feel that you took it too far and reacted horribly. You know, which one is right? Well, usually that ends up with both people being mad. It can be that someone is more successful for you and, and that you're envious. Or it can be that you're more successful and they're envious. Or it can be that someone's more successful, but they look at you and say, well, how do, he seems happier than I. And they, they, you know, they desire that. Or you say, but I'm trying to follow God and my, my life looks a mess. And, and they're not trying to follow God and things look okay. I mean, resentment and envy and all those things we talked about in James, right? Where did temptations come from? The desires within our heart, right? All the things that we feel we're missing out on. If somebody else has those or if somebody else hurts us and talking about those or if we feel that people are judging us, pretty much if we feel any of those things we've talked about the last few months, it can cause a break in a relationship. But at some point, we have to make decisions about, am I willing to try and reconcile this and restore it at all costs? Sometimes your answer is no. But still yet, even if it is, even if it is that I really don't care about having that relationship with somebody, you need to ask yourself, am I living out the spirit of Christ? Colossians chapter three, the last passage we're gonna be in today. In Colossians chapter three and verse 12, it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must close yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. As for, for as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. 
You know, when he says there in verse 13, to make allowance for each other's faults, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's why I say that, yeah, it's a cute little Christmas movie, right? And at the end of the day, things always work out. And there's tons of Christmas movies about that idea of reconciliation. There's not, you know, movies in May about that, or there's not movies in September. I don't really know why. But it's Christmas, right? Because at this time of year, this season, our minds are drawn to that. And I'm telling you that I would say that it makes no difference this time of year, but it does because there's a reason our minds are drawn to those things. And it's because of Jesus. It's because of those desires that every human has. Like I said, even if you don't believe in him. And we have hope that maybe right now for some reason we can fix it. And I tell you what the reason is is that if we accept the gift of reconciliation from Jesus, we accept that offer of grace and of salvation. And then we remember what he did for us. That is the reason why this time of year, if we are drawn to who Jesus is, that we have a better chance of finding reconciliation. We can do that in May. And we can do it in September. But if you haven't, figured out how to do it yet, now is as great a time as any to get started. I'll give you 10 different Christmas movies, right, to go sit down and watch. Or better yet, I'll give you about 10 different passages of Scripture to remind you who Jesus is and what he did for us. It's actually one of your next steps today is to find one of those to think about. Because as the Lord forgave us, we must forgive others. It's understanding that when we approach someone and we want to fix that relationship that we feel that they're wrong, right? We usually feel they are more wrong than us. If you actually feel that I'm more wrong in this situation than they are and you haven't fixed it, there's a whole lot of other scripture, right? If you actually admit in your mind, yeah, I'm the person who messed this up. I'm just not willing to fix it. Well, then I'll send you the ones on pride and I'll send you where Jesus says, if you're going to sacrifice at the temple and you realize that you have hurt someone, right? Put your sacrifice down and go reconcile with them and then come back and worship me, right? You should have done that even before you got here this morning, right? So there's plenty of scripture out there that if you are the actual party who you know that you did the offense and you still don't wanna reconcile, we got, we got other issues. But if you think they're as wrong as I am in this, or even more so, they're the ones who are hurtful and I'm the one who isn't. Still, if you view them through the eyes of Jesus Christ, you can find repair, you can find hope, you can find a way to fix the unfixable because that's what he did with us. We could not fix our situation. We and our sin could not fix the bridge that separated us from God, that separates us from eternity. Only Jesus Christ could do that. And if we can think of others in the same way that he thought about us and say, you know what? I love Jeremy enough even before he asks me anything. And I even know all the sins Jeremy is gonna commit after I forgive him. I know all the sins that Jeremy is gonna commit after I've paid his sin debt and yet I'm still willing to do it. And not only am I willing to do it, but I'm not going to take away the forgiveness. Man, if I thought that way about the people I wanted to reconcile with, I'd probably be a lot more successful. If I said, I know they've hurt me, I know they've wronged me, 
And I know that they may never do anything to try and repair it. Now, obviously, you make a phone call and everyone says they're sorry. That's movie magic, right? And that is great, and it does happen. It does happen. And I will agree with Kevin. Paint cans on a string will knock people out, and if you will just call, you at least know. You at least know, right? At least make the steps. But if you go forward and you make those steps, I tell you that you also need to be willing to say, I'm ready to forgive them, even if they don't see all the wrongs I see. And when I forgive them, I'm gonna put it in the past and I'm gonna enjoy the relationship because it means enough to me to just say some things aren't worth fighting about anymore. That only truly comes, only truly comes, I think, when we understand forgiveness through the eyes of Jesus Christ. As we close up, as our worst team comes forward in verses 16 and 17 there in that passage of Colossians 3, it says, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Man, remembering how God loved us, loving others as he loved us, understanding that in everything we do or say that God calls us to do it as a representative of God the Father, that's a heavy, heavy burden. But if you've sat here and that you have either felt a disconnection from God, right? Then I ask you the question, first and foremost, have you trusted in Jesus as your savior? Right? Of all the other relationships that may be broken, of all the other things that you want to fix, I want to tell you that the most important one is getting that relationship with God right. And the great news is, is Jesus has already done the heavy lifting. You can confess everything to him. You can try and fix everything in your life. And trust me, he wants all that. That would be great. We all want that. But he is ready to forgive you in spite of all those things. If you'll just say, I trust in you, not anything else. And then if you have that understanding of what God's love has done for you, if we can learn to view others the same way, then reconciliation can be more than just something we learn through a movie. It can be more than just some fleeting thing that passes. It can be become part of us every day as we live out the forgiveness of Christ in the way that we deal with others.